0: What's happening, weirdos? This is an incredible episode. I'm not just saying it. It's a little bit shorter than our usual, but Jimmy Carr, the incredible Jimmy Carr, Ryan Seacrest of the UK. <laughs> Somebody told me that Katie. Somebody's like, you don't understand. He's huge in the. U- I know he's huge in the UK, but they had to tell me Seacrest before I really understood because I'm quite quite uh, thick and dumb. But he's an an amazing, amazing comedian and an amazing, amazing person. And this chat is wonderful. Uh, we were it was going to be with uh, sweet lady Val co-hosting. Um, but unfortunately, she wasn't feeling well, didn't make it. But that means we get Randy and Jason Sklar, my friends, as co-hosts, and they are snipers in a cornfield. Every time they talk, it's hilarious and wonderful. And every time Jimmy talks, it's hilarious, wonderful, and deeply interesting. So I'm very excited for you guys to hear this. We recorded it as part of the Just for Laughs Comedy Fest in 2022. As I was looking for the date just then, I thought it was 2020. Thank God it isn't. <laughs> this episode is brought to us by a couple, uh, a new Pete's Pick, which I'm super excited. I've been taking PYM chews for years, and they have absolutely 100% changed my life, specifically in how I cope with stress and anxiety. And I love that they are natural and amino acid-based That helps your brain do what it is designed to do, which is help you cope when you are feeling overwhelmed. When I discovered PYM, it's called PYM because it's prepare your mind. No joke, the first night I took them, I felt the difference almost immediately and ordered not just one, subscriptions for my mother and my brother, because I know that the Holmes family deal with stress. I know I do, and anxiety. So PYM Chews help you manage feelings of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. And it's wonderful to know that when you're feeling worried, stressed out, or as Val and I like to say, you have a bee in your belly, you can chew just two of these delicious, naturally citrus-flavored, no-sugar-added chews, and in minutes, you start to feel more centered, calm and in control. It's literally a technique. I love having it in my cupboard knowing I can return to myself. Uh, when I need to. When I first tried them, I thought they were too good to be true, but here they are. We have a natural non-addictive and non-psychoactive solution to one of life's most common problems. I like to take it at the start of my day in the morning to sort of ease me into a flow state, ease me into the work that I have to do without a stressed out feeling. And I also take them at the end of the day, When I'm looking to wind down and melt away the stress that I accumulated while I was working. How? Well, PYM Chews are comprised of proven amino acid complexes and adaptogens that help your brain, uh, support your brain, and your body's ability to organically support your ability to manage and tolerate stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. These specifically formulated amino acids target your neurotransmitters, specifically the GABA system, a naturally occurring neurotransmitter that helps the body manage chronic stress, supplying your body with GABA, L-theanine, and rhodiola. I hope I'm saying that right. I know it works. I don't know how to say it. PYM is on a mission to end the stigma surrounding mental health and to make a better mood accessible for all. And if that weren't enough, a percentage of their profits goes toward mental health nonprofits, including Bring Change to Mind, a wonderful nonprofit. So it's a new Pete's pick. If you have anxiety and stress in your life and you're looking for a natural, gentle, effective way to give your body the nutrition it needs to fight off stress, honest to God, this is stuff that Val and I swear by. And I'm so glad they're uh, sponsoring the podcast. Thank you, PYM. Go to youcanpym.com slash weird for 15% off PYM mood chews. That's youcanpym.com slash weird. The second Pete's pick that this episode is sponsored by is my old friend, Alpha Brain, brought to us by our friends at it For the past, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, I haven't done anything that involves my noodle. That's my brain. Uh, without taking two or three Alpha Brain fifteen minutes beforehand helps with memory, helps with focus, helps with concentration. If I'm doing a podcast, if I'm doing stand-up, if I'm writing a script, or if I'm just going on a date with Val and I want to have full access to my memory and to my vocabulary and and my ability to listen and participate, I always take Alpha Brain. It is not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. It's not an energy drink. It's nutrition that your brain needs. It's earth-grown ingredients that help your brain. Function the way it was intended to and at a peak level. I so wish I knew about Alpha Brain when I was in college when it came to memorizing facts, learning new things, reading books, all that sort of stuff. But I'm still learning, I'm still reading, I'm still growing. And when I do, I take a few Alpha Brain and I retain so much more than I would without it. I absolutely swear by it. I keep it in the jacket pockets. I keep it in the car. I keep it in my travel bags. I always, always, always have my Alpha Brain. And I just got some of their new Black Label, which I'm very excited to try. So if you want to give it a try, if you're using your brain, chances are you are. Go to onnit.com slash weird and you'll get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. That's it.com slash weird and show your support of this show. All right, everybody, enjoy the brilliant, the wonderful Jimmy Carr and my friends, the guest co-hosts, the Sklar brothers. Get into it. We don't have a lot of time, and I'd really like to get to it. I invited two guest hosts. I'm going to bring them out, and then we'll bring out our special guest. Would you please welcome the Sklar Brothers? Always delightful, my friends. Hi, Pete. We're not short. You're
1: just like seven feet tall. People don't know that about Pete. He's seven seven feet tall. You
0: guys have no idea. So I've been hosting shows in Montreal. Yeah. Montreal. 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 All week. And I was, I, you know, I'm leaving, you're walking through the lobby, there's hundreds of people and you're like, all right, yeah. time. I'm not doing it for that reason, there's no other way out. That's right. But I'm like, the ego flares up and goes, sure. old Holmesy's about to get a few pats on the right. back. That's right. I'm
1: ready to glad hand my way over to the inspiration room. Uh,
0: Ram, I was stopped. This is, I will never, I won't lie to you today.
1: Let's be Three honest. times.
0: I was tempted to say
1: four, but the real three number times. is three. Three times.
0: Three times, someone stopped me and went, how tall are you? Yeah. And I was like, okay, all right. That's good. And then again, how tall are you? Three times people asked how tall I am. (laughs) Is that the most impressive thing I did? Yeah, that's... that's, Was B long? (laughs) A lot of motherfuckers are long, guys. (laughs) How was Pete's
1: show? He was was really tall. He was so tall for most of the show. He was very tall. He was up there really, really up there.
0: How short is... Well, I know what it is. It's because every comedian I brought on stage looked like my toddler. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: I should have been like, Welcome
1: to the stage! Who's a good comedian? (laughs) Who's such a good comedian?
0: (laughs) This is why I invited two of the funniest and nicest people in show business. Thank you. Randy and Jason. Thank you. (laughs) you. They're going to co-host. Please don't sit on those riffs. We We won't. won't. They never do. And please, everybody, just because we, I, I, my podcast is two hours long, and they were like, you have the room for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how tall are you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you see um, how tall I am? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I deserve at joke. least an hour and a half. Do you see, see how, how tall, tall I, am? I am?
1: Do I need to walk through
0: the lobby and have three more people ask me? I also, I was eating at Expectations because I think I have autism. I can't, I can't, I can't stop eating at the closest yeah, restaurant. Well,
1: the best... <laughs> So, are you saying you're on? This is the worst joke ever. I will is, yep. no. I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave after this joke. You were eating egg Expectations. You think you have autism? Do you mean to say that you're on the spectrum? Oh, that's, stop that's, it! Stop it! That's it. You got it, everybody. I'll see you. You later. gotta break a few eggs to make a comedy omelet, guys. <laughs>
0: that's the clip for Insta Instagram. That's <laughs> I'm so happy you made that joke, and I'm also so happy that our guest is Jimmy Carr. Can you believe yes. it? Yes. Jimmy Carr, turn that off. YouTube's gonna yank the video. <laughs> we don't. We don't have Axl Rose money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Welcome to the jungle <laughs> We've got fun and games and, uh, It was great to be here, thank you Thank much. you for doing it Long time it... listener, first time caller
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm very touched, you make John Mulaney look like a hobo, sir That's right
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dressed up Mulaney
0: <laughs> Bitch stole my look <laughs> <laughs> You are a delight we, ha- we actually accidentally had lunch today uh, or yes. breakfast, I don't know what you call it. Uh, yeah, we had we had a brunch. I we had a brunch. Okay, there it is. See, even the way you say that yes, makes I was, me feel yeah, elegant.
2: It felt very obvious there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Breakfast, <laughs> lunch, I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah. Right, <laughs> lunch. Famously, there is a word for that. If only. If only there was a word for it. <laughs> I mean, it's all they serve in expectations. so <laughs> <sadly. laughs> I really feel like you should have had the jump on this.
1: <laughs> that I'm—they probably say that at the top of the menu. Brunch all day, you know.
0: <laughs> and yet I was confused, but I ran into you and Neil Brennan, two of my favorite people, and we uh, we had like a pre-podcast. Everything you said was so wonderful.
2: Oh, well, thank you very much indeed. But let's let's let the listener decide. Let's yes, sure. because this uh, let's manage expectation here. <laughs> expectation. <laughs> expectation. Expectation. <laughs>
0: I'm going to say, can we turn Jimmy's mic up just a little bit? He's I not could, as... Also,
2: if I could be 10% funnier. Yeah, sure.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean... That he... worked. I don't know what you pressed, but wow. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable.
1: That's so much funnier, by the way. That's so much funnier. Yeah.
2: Over 10.
1: Yeah. Okay,
0: so... T- uh, take, I just... it back.
1: take it back to Let's Just 10 take 10 it back to... It's not fair we'll... to
0: the rest of us. That's right. But you are like a champagne flute became a person, and a am <laughs> <laughs> Be our guest Yeah, it's that vibe, isn't it? But Bell uses you, not Beast Beast can't handle you with those paws
2: No, sure No one could hold you Sure, I'm exactly what you ordered as a British man That's right (laughs) Somewhere between Mr. Bean and Hugh Grant (laughs) (laughs) Bullseye Yeah I had I had a great moment with uh, with Hugh Grant. It's a, it's a fun story. I love so it. So I hosted a party in my in my house, and uh, I had lots of people there. I know Hugh pretty well, and my friend brought along Monica Lewinsky. Mm -hmm. And uh, so Monica's in my kitchen. She's a friend. I know her. If you haven't seen her TED Talk, it's fantastic about being publicly shamed in the internet age. Anyway, she's in my kitchen, and Hugh's there, and I introduce them. I say, Hugh, this is Monica. Monica, this is Hugh. And Hugh Grant says, oh, hello, I'm Hugh. I'm the other fellatio scandal from 1992. (laughs) And then Eddie Murphy
1: walks in and is like, not so
2: fast.
0: Go.
2: Oh my God! Did a portal open to another yeah. world? I mean, he's a very, very funny boy, Hugh Grant. He's, he's, you know, he feels like he's got that thing. You know, when you meet someone and you go, "He eh, should have been a comic." Mm. Is that right? Should be, I know, acting and great movie star. Yeah, it should have been a comic. You know who loves Hugh Grant, and you can tell Kumail Kumail Nanjiani
0: used to watch all the Hugh Grant movies in uh, Karachi, and he was obsessed. And when you, my wife and I. Uh, watch Notting Hill recently because we have a lesbian relationship.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, Pete, hey, that uh, that explains the hair. Yeah, right. <laughs> this uh, This this hair. Everything of... you're wearing. That's right.
0: This hair definitely makes its own cheese. Yes, that's okay. true. <laughs> I don't mean the hair itself. I have to go. <laughs> but we were watching it and we were like, you can see Kumail in his delightful performance, which I would say holds up. Holds up. Let me let me just text him real quick.
2: Yeah, do it. On my phone? Yeah. That's going to be tricky. Let's Who are you see. texting? You're not going to be How all over my phone. How come Siri doesn't do it? No, there's, Siri? You don't have... Uh, are you fucking You've got to open the phone first. <laughs> Please. That would have been a solid they know. Dip. They know enough about me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you turned Siri off? Yeah, I have no interest in that. Can wow. I run
0: a premise by you? Yes. Here it comes. Uh-oh. Wow,
2: I... Maybe you are autistic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> feels like... Feels like... It just feels like I don't know how you feel like as listeners. Uh, how you feel as listeners, but it feels to me like if you're going to ask a question in a podcast, just ask it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, let's hit, finish this conversation
0: at expectations. That's right. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say I've been doing a bit where I'm like we put a listening device in our homes, Alexa, and what we got in exchange was music. Here, pause. We already had music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they were like, we'll give you music, and I'm like, we already had that, but we're like, we'll make it, you won't have to do this anymore.
2: And that's very bizarre Well, what if that was a joke? Here you go um, uh, I, Uh-oh I, Well, no, it's the, uh, the thing that you I had with iPhones You should see it when I yell it You're all aware of this thing, the audience The, the phone secretly listening to our conversations? Yes, yes So you'll be, you'd be sure. chatting to a friend about the good old days And then for the next two weeks You're bombarded with adverts for anal beads and butt plugs? Sure by...
1: <laughs> Been there which by the way they sell those at expectations. They do, sometimes. they do.
2: Oh, is that it? Hey, what do you mean is that it? The big laugh is the clue, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> How long you been in this business? <laughs> okay come on let's uh,
0: I love that you laugh like the dolls in Toy Story 4 that's right the scary antique dolls that was our jam (laughs) Um, listen my movie career I was in Goosebumps Toy Story 4 I've done a lot of stuff sure I don't know you know I love roasting we've done a few roasts together so you're bringing it out of me but honestly I'm thrilled that you're here and kind of in the spirit of the podcast one of the things we mentioned we could talk about is as you called it the Tao of comedy I, I'm very interested yeah
2: in that. I, I wrote a book um, in, the, in the lockdown you basically had a choice as a comedian our managers came to us uh, when we had COVID and the lockdown uh, and we were locked away for 18 months and couldn't work they said well you can do a podcast or you could write a book and I took the dignified decision <laughs> <laughs> and I, I you know I th- I'm better than this. I'll yeah. do a book. So, sure. I wrote a
1: book, and so when the podcast failed, you did the book, sure. and so I did the
2: um, "Can Podcasts Fail?"
1: Yeah, it's, it's a-
2: <laughs> wait, was that the title Stay of the book? Stay tuned. <laughs> so I wrote this thing about uh, about. It started off as a as a biography, and then it became like a a, a self help book are uh, basically taking, you know, the, the problem with self-help, the problem with Eckhart Tolle and The Power of Now is the people that need it don't read it. Because, you know, if you're drawn to that kind of thing, and it's very earnest, mm. and all the stuff is correct in those books, it's fa- they're fantastic if you can be bothered to read them, but they don't sweeten the pill. So I thought, well, I'll kind of take some of that stuff that I've read over the years that's really helped me and, and sort of apply it through comedy to life. Because the basic lesson of every self-help book in the world is the same premise. It's prioritize later over now. That's all they say. It, it's, it's prioritized later over now. An and really, I think the journey of every stand-up comedian is that. We spend so much time. No one gets there quickly. Everyone's like 10,000 hours like learning how to write jokes, learning how to do this, and then suddenly it pops. But we're just always kind of looking at the future. Mm. And it's a really interesting kind of, you know, for young comics or sort whatever. Of, it's just, yeah, write jokes. That's it. Right.
0: Yeah. So prioritize. It's interesting. I thought you were going to say the opposite, especially after you dropped Eckhart Tolle,
2: who would say prioritize now over later. Well, it's interesting. Like, where you find that balance in life is really interesting. Of like going, do you have as much fun as you possibly can today without totally fucking up tomorrow.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I love that.
2: It's like it's great. But the, that thing of like, going, if uh, you can. You, there's no such thing as a time machine, right? But there kind of is. There, uh, but it, it's time. The time machine is only moving in this direction at this speed. But you can give yourself gifts in the future. You can be. Uh, you can have the best stand-up show in the world in five years' time. You just need to work. You yeah. can you can be thin, you just need to diet and exercise. You can be rich, you just need to save money. It's like it, it's that thing of like going you you get to meet you in 20 years time, but it's not like you don't just appear like Bill and Ted's. It's just wait around, you're going to be there. And who are you going to be? Mm. And the idea of kind of saying that like through comedy, I really I came to it quite late. I was about 26 when I started, and I just put so much into it. Mm. And I kind of think that's the other great thing that I learned from or that comedy gave me or taught me. It was like finding your edge in life. It might not be comedy, but whatever you do, better than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like, what's the thing that you do best and lean into that? Because we we live in kind of a uh, a specialist economy, right? We we live in a specialist economy. So you don't want someone who's like, school teaches you to be quite good at everything. But then the world doesn't want more C grades in physics. Mm. No one needs that. Like, find the thing you're good at, just lean into that and specialise. And that was the thing that kind of comedy taught me, which I think is kind of a—it's a transferable lesson.
0: Yeah. What, what I find interesting, well, I, I feel like we could have applauded. That. I feel like yeah. we should applaud that. That well, was great. So you don't they, need weren't to.
1: they weren't sure if he was done yet. So yeah, they, they I didn't know. know that I, any...
0: I actually—that's why I was trying to give permission because I was like, yeah, I want to applaud that, but we didn't want to stop you from making another great point. Well, let me ask you this: I, I find when I talk to people, one of the ways that sometimes I think people might be misguided is they're trying to bend. Into a specialty, the thing that they're better at anything than
2: anybody else. No, no, not better than anyone else. Right, right, right. That's a very important distinction. It's the thing that you do best. You don't have to be world class uh, at anything. It's just the thing that you do. (laughs) But that that thing of like, you just, what you enjoy the most. Like the 10,000 hours thing, the thing that Gladwell misses, and I love that book. Mm -hmm. You've read Outliers, right? Yeah. Do you know that it only
1: took him 9,000 hours to write that book? apparently Merge
0: into one. <laughs> we are merge yeah. into one. Thank you.
2: That joke was so good. You,
1: <laughs> I loved it. But That's that thing brilliant. of like the
2: thing he misses is like what like he's sort of the premise of the book is well you do it for ten thousand hours. Look at the Beatles and they rehearse for that long, and then suddenly they're this fabulous band because they come together. And comedians all do that. We're all on the road, and then it, it happens. After that amount of time. But it's what could you stand to do for 10,000 hours? That's the interesting question. There's two great journeys on life. The first is finding what you want to do. And the second one is doing it. And tragically, most people get to do neither. They never get to find that thing that they want to do, the quest. But the first thing is finding the quest. And you kind of need to know who you are... Before you go on the, like the superhero movie kind of thing, if you need to know who you are
1: before you go on the quest. But you don't put any, that, there, there's a little bit of talent, I think, that, like, I think. That's yeah. the edge. That's the leaning into. The, the thing that you do that is, because there's a mixture of the talent that you have and getting enjoyment out of leaning into that talent.
2: Yeah, but I, the, the two great myths, I believe, in our culture are l- luck and talent. Right? It's, it's uh, like You're the like, talent. Luck and the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <And it's> just, <laughs> <they're> the, <laughs> But that thing of, like, the talent myth is there in our society, right? You go, it's, it's, sort of, it's talent and hard work. Uh, the two, sorry, the two myths are talent and hard work. So you look at someone like Michael Jordan, and you go, oh my God, he's so naturally gifted, right? But I tell you, that guy's nothing without hard work, absolutely nothing without hard work. And you look at someone like Bill Gates, and it's like, oh, my God, he worked so hard. He was in the computer lab for uh, 16 hours a day. He worked so hard. And you go, no, that guy's nothing without talent. It's always a mix of the two. It's always that thing of, like, you have to... I'm going to play devil's
1: advocate because I think Michael Jordan is, was built in such a way that, like, his height, his, the way he was
2: if like he physically put no, together... If, if that guy doesn't We're the train, same height, if he doesn't the
1: train <laughs> If he doesn't train as hard, he's a... Tall, he was so tall. He's Pete. an NBA journeyman. He's not the greatest of all time. Like the thi- and I would argue with Michael Jordan, the interesting thing here is he trained so hard and put so much into it that it fucked up the rest of his life. Like, he couldn't have friends. He had to, like, play, throw quarters against a wall with, a pers- with
2: the security guard who wasn't his friend at all to try and steal someone, the quarter Someone from told him. me a great story about... Um, this is a real... This has got nothing to do with anything, but you want to hear the story? Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's sure. in my kitchen. Uh, no, this sorry. is... <laughs> This, this is, is what we do a, on podcasts. He was so. at the he, he was at the end of my friend's garden, Willie. My friend lives on a golf fancy golf course and uh, Michael Jordan walked by. And he, he was playing with his friends and they were they were gambling for I think it was something like ten thousand dollars a hole, hundred and fifty for the nine. So there was a lot of money. A lot of money. And they're gambling at that level and then his friends go, Michael Jordan's friends is bit, and he's still there for another day. Uh he's got hours. So he says to the, the pro golfer, he says, Would well, you want to play? And the guy, the pro golfer goes, yeah, great, I'll, I'll play. And he goes, for money? And the pro golfer goes, oh, no, I can't, I can't play for 10000 a hole. And Michael Jordan goes, no, 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 it doesn't have to be 10000 a hole. Whatever makes you uncomfortable. I will. It's, it's
1: what he said to his wife, too. Whatever. Whatever makes you uncomfortable.
0: Thank God. No, but
1: I think what you're saying is that, uh, that we have a range. This is what we're, I think we're all kind of saying, is that we all have a range of the outcomes of what our sort of pursuits will become. What will the outcome become? If you put tons of work in with a mix of talent, then you can be at this level within your range, at the top well, of your range. Well, I, mean, if you I suppose
2: put, at its extreme, it's like if you have no aptitude... Like, you can be anything you want to be in the world. It's total fucking bullshit. Why are we telling kids that? You know, you'll never be... You guys are not going to be NBA stars. Work as hard as you want. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So the aptitude plus the work, and then it's that thing of going... Think of yourselves like Michael Jordan. Think of yourselves like gamblers. And say, well, what's my largest... Edge is about your largest chance of success. What's the thing that you do? Well, I think I've got an angle here. I think I've got the best chance at succeeding at this thing. And then you push yourself into that.
0: Can I ask you the question, then? What I run into is a lot of people tend to think their thing is something that our culture values—fame, power, money, right? But often, their thing very well may not be one of those things. You know what I mean? I've got a theory on fame,
2: wealth, and power, which is uh, fame has replaced heaven in a secular world fame is the land of milk and honey. You think everything's going to be okay when I'm rich and famous. And then, you know, read the papers. Rich and famous people have the same problems, just they don't have the problem with money, or they have a different problem with money. But it has replaced...
0: You have a dream home, and you, you used to worry about where you would live. Then you get a dream home. Then you worry it's going to burn down.
2: Sure. Yeah. And, or or the, something's going wrong with it. Yeah. It's the, it's a, I know a lot of rich
0: people that what's are obsessed the this with recycling. That's who's real. the? Who's the, <laughs>
2: who's the. It's David Lee Roth uh, referred to his mansion as a, a tomb with a view. Oh. I love that. Was that before or after he became a paramedic? <laughs> that was uh, uh, why he became a paramedic. That's why he became a paramedic. He's, uh, you know, are you aware of the story? David Lee Roth uh, left. He was in rock and roll, and he left, retrained, became a paramedic in an all-Jewish neighborhood of New York in, in order to serve. Uh, really? You know, yeah. For two years, he was a paramedic. I, I can't believe and Then went that, back to rock and roll. I can't believe He's that incredible.
1: ambulance company replaced him with Sammy Hagar.
2: That was <laughs> a,
1: not a cool move. I, I mean... And then with Gary Sharone from Extreme, that felt extreme. That Uh, felt a little. This is a day off for
2: Old Holmesy. I'll tell you that right now. Sorry, Old Holmesy. No, Uh, I love you. Are you kidding me? This is the best day of my life. Yeah, it's interesting that thing of like fame and like what you're going for the. uh, it, it's that thing of like what's success in life and you know different people you know you can talk about fame and fortune and obviously a festival like this is often the thing about montreal and just for laughs the festival we're at is people often talk about oh they got a sitcom deal or they're doing a, a hbo special or netflix or whatever but actually it's the it's the process right what's the enjoyable thing about comedy well it's being in a flow state how often can you be in a flow state so some people get to do it as their job not everyone, but some people, we get to do it as our job. We're in a flow state. We're on stage. It's absolutely the most enjoyable thing in the world to be in a flow state. Some people do it as a hobby. They find a sport that they love, and they play tennis or whatever it is, and they just, they're in that state, and it's so relaxing, and it's important to have that every week. You have to have that in your life. Yes. And if you can make that your job, I mean, you'll never work again.
0: Well, that's in the movie Happiness, which I, I, it's a movie I watch every couple of years. It's a documentary. And they talk about line cooks get in a flow state, and it's one of the reasons why they enjoy their work. Yeah. But that is, that's kind of my point Is To the people listening I just those pe- Do you understand what I'm saying? The people that bend and they assume they want to be a movie star When really maybe they well, would the be problem, a brilliant something else The
2: problem with being a comedian At this festival and look around People get to be a comedian And then they try and do other shit And I think they're crazy They have the best job <laughs> in the world and they go Yeah but now I'm going to be in a sitcom Motherfucker you should have been an actor then if you want to be an actor yeah. <laughs> Be a here, 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 hear <laughs>
1: Hang on a second. <laughs> Don't. Pete's a good actor.
2: No, I know but what you mean. Pete, Pete is a good actor because he pretended actor. not to be hurt by that. Uh, that's right.
1: <laughs> no, Pete. and he's pretending <laughs> to be interested in what you're saying so much. No, I'm kidding. I, Pete's such I, a good actor. In one movie, he played like he was five foot eight. That's. It's uh, <laughs> just great acting. <laughs> I, I, you know, it is. Uh, the other night we were supposed to do Pete Holmes and friends and there was a fire at the monument theater. And so they had to bring all the Canadian uh, new faces over and canceled our show that our show with Pete and that we were going to be on with Pete. We came there. We were so excited to do it. And all these Canadian new faces, Pete hosted that show, which was great. And to talk about the love of comedy, Jay and I just sat next to the stage while Pete did his set. Yeah. Instead of just going back and fucking off back to the hotel, we sat and wrote like tags of jokes Yeah, for they, Pete. For Pete. Um, off and just every time he came off stage, we pitched him tags on his jokes. It was
2: amazing.
0: And
1: we
2: should have left. Like, we should have been gone. But talk I about... That's, the, I always think that's a really good test of like... When you, you know at the festival... Uh, and there's you know, new faces and new comics that you haven't met before and the festival's been going a couple of days and you ask them what they've seen and if they tell you they haven't seen anything, they're not going to make it. Mm-hmm. That, you see. know, it's that thing, if they've gone out and they've seen a bunch of shows and they're into comedy... Because they love it. Great. Yeah, if they love it, they'll be fine because that you know, it's going to be hard years but if you love it, who cares? It's fine. That,
1: that's absolutely right. The, not, the moment when you're at your comfortable house... And you're, you have a set that you're going to go to and you just don't. There's a feeling inside of you going, I don't want to do this set. But you go and you know that something special might happen on stage. You might go backstage and hang out with people that you love and have those moments of
2: true joy. Here's the problem with comedy for me, certainly. It's, uh, work is more fun than fun. You go to work, you go, this is, uh, this is unbelievable. And then you go have a dinner you. with friends and go, ah, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's because you're I hanging don't know, out with Hugh Grant. <laughs> Val and I, I guess you're nice, but...
0: Valerie and I just had that. I did a set at the Improv, and then we went to a party, and I'm only mentioning this because it makes the story better. It was the cast of Ted Lasso was at this party, and I couldn't wait to leave. I was like, I've already done my cocaine. May I leave?
2: <laughs> my stage cocaine. Wow, that's... That's the title of the tell-all biography that comes out. <laughs> I've already done my cocaine. I've already done my cocaine. That, that's my memoir at the
0: end of life. <laughs> oh. I already did my cocaine. Montel Williams is... Uh, Montel Jordan? Montel... This is how we do it. Th- and his, his memoir will be called That Was How I Did It. <laughs> that was... It.
1: <laughs> also, I'm not Montel Williams. <laughs> That's the no, not Montel Williams. <laughs> Let me ask you
0: this. Backstage you said something interesting. We were talking about jokes and you said, don't you sometimes feel like the joke already existed?
2: Yeah, I sometimes get that. When you're writing a joke and it feels like that, the, the old stories about uh, Leonardo da Vinci was asked about his... Uh, uh, was was that, he in your kitchen? He, well, he was not <laughs> in my kitchen. But it was, the, it was the, the, the famous story about him being asked about, you know, David, how did you do that? And he just said, I just chipped away everything that wasn't David. I was like, And that David said, could I have had a bigger dick? <laughs>
0: <laughs> could you have left some of that could marble? You... Are you certain that's not David? I'm going to be standing nude for millions to see. Could you leave a little bit more that is David?
2: Hot riff! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I if you've got to say hot riff. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: No, he did. What? He said it. But
0: I love that.
2: But yeah. you've had the... But I think that joke thing of like sometimes you just go, I can't believe no one's seemed it was right there. Certainly with, you know, some of the wordplay. I mean, mine is kind of a mix of there's some observational stuff and there's quite a lot of wordplay and it's layering up stuff. So when you're, when you're writing a show, you're, you have the bare bones of the joke, the discipline of like trying new jokes all the time. And then there's kind of a routine that's about something and then you're kind of you're layering points with one-liners over the top because Joe writing is quite a rare skill there's not many people that can write an hour of jokes that people want to watch and you go i want to lean into that and deliver i like the frequency of comedy as well i like that idea that it's just it should be sort of you know some, that phrase laugh a minute you go gee i wouldn't make a living I laugh a minute you want you want three laughs a minute you want that kind of you want the audience to kind of get a bit giddy because ultimately what we are is drug dealers Yes, we're dopamine, dealing. Yeah. We're dealing in dopamine, endorphins. The, the genius of it will never. They'll never take us alive. Is because the drugs are already on the audience. They and have. We're that. just tickling them out.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, the, but also I would argue that you're set. In addition to all of that, underneath all of that is your perspective. Is Jimmy Carr's perspective on all like tied together? Ties the whole thing together. So I mean, what? I you don't know. Want, I mean, I never say
2: what I think on stage. But I'm, not, there, I'm not that kind. But it's. I think comp, comedians leak. It's my big theory there. on comedians is we leak. So I do an hour of jokes, and they're about the worst things in the world. Yeah. they're brutal. And then somehow people have a sense. Oh yeah, this guy's probably probably slightly on the left and mm-hmm. pretty liberal. It's like it's weird how people know who you, you get a sense of the comedian. Yeah. I mean the other the other big um, my big theory on comedians is uh, big theory on comedians. I can't hear no it. Okay. You if you if you meet a comedian if you're hanging out with a comedian ask them which one of their parents was sick most comedians I know had to take care of a sick parent uh, either mentally or physically they had one of their parents that was sick and the, their job in the household was vibes and they had to make things okay and then they lent into that and I think that <laughs> Pete
0: is that not true to you Pete? I just turned up a face I was genuinely making for laughs but yeah that's, yeah. that's uh, fucking right on <laughs> you're like Anthony Jeselnik became Dr. Phil <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting conversation because I think you know the festival or whatever. When you you meet comics, it's like you could do small talk. Oh, you see any good shows? Whatever, get into it straight away. Yeah. 20 one of your parents Were sick. That's... Yeah, I'm not trying to like. It's
0: not a gotcha yeah. moment. Did you? Was that your experience? My, my mother
2: was very depressed. Uh, I think my whole life, and I you didn't you don't realize as a kid because you grow up in that household and you think it's normal yeah. to just be in your dressing gown all day. And and, and she was inc- she self medicated with humor. She was incredibly funny hmm. and depressed. And it was it was a wonderful um, she was a wonderful person to be around. She didn't like it wasn't like a, a dark atmosphere, but she was clearly um, suffering with it. And it was a it, it was a, you know, she, she's kind of the reason I do this, I think, in terms of you're kind of inspired by that, mm-hmm. the, the, the magnetism. I always make like a distinction um, with comics as well. My other kind of theory is there's two types of comedians. There's charming and charismatic. And they're very, they're, the words have become conflated in our world, right? Charming, charismatic, the same. I don't think it is the same. I think it's vastly different. So if you think about Obama, right? President Obama is charming he is hilarious I mean go ahead have you
1: seen his mom jeans all the way up to the all with, the way up with pleats
2: the, uh, I can't wait to find out if he's charming or charismatic yeah. well he, he's incredibly charming so he, uh, he's head to the side I'm a bit charming uh, not so much it, but it is it's, it's, it, here's how I would so, the B- distinction minus. would be I I come to you that's charm. I come to you. You want to say yes to him before he's asked the fucking question. It's charm. Trump is charisma. Uh, you know, you don't forget whether you like him or don't like him. You don't like him, right, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's be clear. But that, but he's he's charisma. You come to me. Uh, if you think about um, uh, Jennifer Aniston, charm personified. Angelina Jolie, charismatic. One isn't better than the other. They both get to fuck Brad Pitt. That's but- right. yep but they're very different skills and I think I think that partly the thing of like the other thing that comedy gave to me was you have to know who you are in order to kind of to make good on it you know whether you're charming or charismatic you have to know that know what you're working with Pete they both get to fuck
1: Brad Pitt but only one of them gets to drink his blood (laughs) Joe Lee oh no I was gonna say Aniston but uh... (laughs)
0: that's what's in smart water I don't know Uh, um (laughs) Let's not. That's so true. The the charisma. The
1: charisma. Charisma versus charm. I think that is. I
2: don't know which I am. Well, charm. By I mean, Jesus Christ. How could you not see that? (laughs) Well, I mean, you're you're literally, you're charm personified. Oh, wow. You're incredibly charming. It's like, it's, it's almost like a superpower. Wow. You've just got this ability to kind of. People feel very, very comfortable, and you know, the warmth that you project when you do comedy is—it's extraordinary. Well, and please. in the sitcom, the whole thing—it's just—I'm right, right? It's very well. well. I do. I, it's lovely. Yeah. Whereas I. Yes, which are you? Barely have a human heart. (laughs) No, I'm 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 charismatic. It's a different it's a different thing. But it's interesting, like going one isn't better than the other. It's it's we're washing the same side of it. uh, We're washing different sides of the same elephant. Yeah,
0: I would say you're a cigarette marketed towards ladies personified. (laughs) 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 After you were so nice. Yeah. so Pete, where
1: are you going? I
0: don't know.
1: Where's he going? I don't know. He
2: just got taller. He went up on the chair to get taller. A, a few thing. of just, a, just just. give me a second. Sure. I'd just like to say a couple of um, uh, words about mental Slims. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, uh... Look, I. It was so nice and so
0: sincere. I but... just know that that's. That, I hope that's your love language. We, we you and I worked on yeah, roasty no, jokes it. all the time. Let, I don't want to not get to it. So, can we jump a little bit to God?
2: I know you're an, an atheist, or her atheist. Uh, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I'm an atheist, but I think it's that thing of um, I think I always think the most interesting question in life is what was the last thing you changed your mind about? Mm. That's my favorite question to ask someone, and if they go nothing, you just okay. Well, you've not been thinking. You've just been rearranging your prejudices. You should change your mind about something very important (laughs) every year. And I I am an atheist, but I think the the spiritual side and what those stories give us, I think, has got tremendous uh, benefits. There's something in uh, myth and legend. That's yeah. incredibly important. And, you know, why do those stories survive? Why, do the, the, why are those stories like 2,000 years old, 3,000 years old stories? And they, they resonate with us. Mm-hmm. And that, so it's almost kind of leaning. I'm, I'm not a religious man, but, like, when you look at the Jungian archetypes and you look at those, those things that just remain in society, I think that's very powerful. Yes. I I was I wanted to share. But, but it's, it's uh, uh, sorry, on, that, on the religious thing, I think, uh, what do you think about all the time? What do you think about? What do you wake up thinking about? What do you think about all day? What do you check your phone for all the time? That's your God.
0: Yeah, Richard Royce says, follow the money. What do you spend your money on, too, is another great way to see what you actually give a shit about.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting. I mean, I always think that's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's like, where, where, where do you actually spend your time? What are you really and thinking time. about? That's the other one. He says, time, well, I and money. I think time much more than money. Yeah. I think time is the
0: only thing. I would, I would agree with that. And honestly, I hope that's true because I spend a lot more time trying to delight people than I do giving them money. Great. <laughs> Great. I, I'm not saying I don't give people money, but I do this a lot and I hope this is of service in some way.
2: Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it's a, it's, it's a nice thing. But it's interesting like, where you choose to spend that time. Like, all we have is, uh, you, you know, the, the terrifying truth is uh, the world is a thing that we make and we could just as easily make it a different way. And that, you know, that's the world, but also our individual lives. You know, people are constantly saying, especially like over breakfast today, we were chatting about the state of the world and how terrible it is. Brunch. And you, you, you can only brunch. Sorry. That's right. It's... Uh, how tall are you? Get it um, exactly we can... right. Uh, Get it the... exactly right, please. <laughs> but that thing of like just taking responsibility for your bit of it mm. seems to be a very worthwhile thing of like just going, well, I'll just control. I can control this bit and make it better. That's that I, I'm obsessed with a teacher named Rupert Spira, who's
0: British, and uh, you should know him. And you uh, should be in your kitchen. He says he said when he was seven years old. <laughs> he said when he was seven years old. He said to his parents, I think this is God's dream and it's our job to make it as nice of a dream as possible. Whether or not you believe in that literally being true, (laughs) I think that's sort of what you're getting at. Like, we can change it, we can make it however we
2: want it to be. You know the John Lennon story? Tell me. John Lennon, when he was, I think he was seven, he was in school. And they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And John Lennon said, happy. And the teacher said, I don't think you understand the question. And John Lennon said... I don't think you do. Wow. wow.
0: That's incredible. That's,
1: no. so, so I'm going to tell you a tiny story about my son. About Ringo
2: Starr. Ringo Starr.
1: <laughs> so so this, it's about what, how you choose to define. You're talking about how you define something. So my son, in a very funny way, the other day said, we drove by a restaurant, and he said, oh, I have so much nostalgia for that place. And I was like, the place we ate at last week? <laughs> I said, I don't think you understand what nostalgia means. And he looked at me and he said, remember when you said that? Uh, He did. He did. Which I thought was funny. But then I was like, oh, wait, why am I telling him what nostalgia is? Why am I trying to define for this person what this ethereal concept that we really can't touch is? Here's
2: what I think. I think happiness is expectations exceeded. Did you say expectations? I'm sorry. You did. We have that. a winner. I heard that. I heard that. No, but you're right. 100%. But I think it's, it's that thing of like, why is New Year's terrible, right? New Year's is terrible. Awful, always. Well, because the expectation is this is going to be the best night of the year. Right. It's going to be huge. And there's just a night out. And if you go out on a Tuesday and you have drinks with people from work and you end up at the club, it's like, this night is incredible. Birthdays, I feel the same about. Birthdays, often the pressure. Uh, it, it's just too much. I feel the same about comedy. I don't want the fanfare. I don't want to be brought up as the greatest, blah, blah, blah,
0: all that stuff. It's like, actually, let's go in being like, let's see how this goes instead of, I don't want to do New Year's Eve comedy. No. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell me, when I when we talked briefly in the lobby about um, atheism, you said, I'm interested in science and and then you, well, well, you said, people, can I, can I yeah, load sure. you even more? You said, what is science studying? And we had a nice little bond where I was like, we're having the exact same conversation.
2: Well, so I think some people sort of, you know, if they say they're an atheist, they'll say, I believe in science, and you, you sort of go, your next question should always be, what's an isotope? Because <laughs> that's going to, they're going to go, okay, I guess I'm going on faith as well. Yes. LAUGHTER and, wow. and the illusion that there isn't any faith involved in science is slightly... Because even a, spe, even a scientist is not a specialist in all science. So you go, okay, so there's, there's observable fact and we're following that and it's... But there's, there's, kind of a, there's a mystery to it as well. Physics at a very high level, there's a mystery and there's a magic and a wonder. Sure. And I think I get the same kind of um, wonder... That I used to get from religion I was raised Catholic I get that same kind of wonder But you're, you know, if you watch like uh, Brian Cox Is this incredible um, uh, astrophysicist in the UK You watch one of those documentaries About the solar system And you just think Wow, it's, it's incredible Yeah,
0: it, it, it's, it's fascinating Let me try and remember What I was just going to say Because I was listening so hard I dropped it oh, so. We'll take a minute This is a pause uh, point
2: it, well, no. Why don't we do an advert for Foursquare That's okay, normally what happens on a podcast <laughs> Sure That feels appropriate
0: What's happening, weirdos? Lately, I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks. Uh, I'm about to have Father Greg Boyle on the podcast. I've been listening to his incredible book, Tattoos on the Heart, and it has been great. One reason it's been great is because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. You heard? Raycon's Everyday Earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever with optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit. These earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Even on the treadmill, these guys stay in place, trust me. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour, hour battery life. Raycons are also priced just right. You get high quality audio at half the price of other premium audio bl- brands, Brands, audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. They have three customizable sound profiles, earbud tap functionality, Uh, functions, I guess I could just say, noise isolation, and awareness mode. So go to buyraycon.com slash weirdo. Note that it's not weird, it's weirdo. Buyraycon.com slash weirdo today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash weirdo to score 15% off by R-A-Y-C-O-N slash weirdo and show your support of the show. It's also brought to us this episode by our friends at Dadgrass. This has to be the Pete's pick that I enjoyed, I'm going to say, ten times more than I even thought that I would. These are bringing back Dadgrass. You probably see them in some of the cooler shops around the neighborhood, if you're like me. It's bringing back the chill, casual smoke and I'm loving it. Chill out all summer long with Dadgrass because it's too nice to be couch-locked. They'll mellow you out while keeping your head clear and ease away the stress of the day. Dadgrass is legal, organic hemp that relaxes your body and mellows your mind. Dadgrass CBD products are made with 100% organic hemp that's easy to dose, and the effects come on smooth. They offer a variety of products, and their token uh, from their token, smokable pre-rolled joints... That's what I have, as well as their hemp flour and variety of CBD tincture drops, which I also have and love. This means you can enjoy the effects of CBD while keeping a clear head. And I don't know, I I'm not big into different things that people are doing at parties, but I love bringing my pack of Dad Grass to a party. It keeps me clear while melting away stress and also, frankly, gives me something to do at the party uh, with my hands, like uh, like Will Ferrell. What do I do with my hands? <laughs> and Dad Grass products are federally legal for ages 18 and over and ships right to your door anywhere in the U.S. So go to dadgrass.com slash weird to check out their products. Whether you're looking for a new buzz or a chill way to enjoy an old favorite, Dadgrass will leave you in a euphoric mood. And right now, Dadgrass is offering weirdos 20% off your first order when you go to dadgrass.com slash weird. Go to dadgrass.com slash weird for 20% off your first order. That's dadgrass.com slash weird. Sincerely, been enjoying those quite a bit. Something wonderful to sit on the porch with at the end of a day. Last but not least, guys, it's time to bring that summer heat into the bedroom. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) The temperatures aren't the only thing that's rising this summer. That's right. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by, it's sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. And that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredient as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part... The whole thing is done online. That means no more visits to the doctor, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package with blue chew men everywhere excited to see the postman because your packages arrive your package has indeed arrived they always say first impressions are important but what about lasting impressions time to get off the couch back to work and if your tool needs an upgrade head to bluechew.com women say there's nothing sexier than confidence and blue chew can help you give you confidence where it counts. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for weirdos. Try Blue Chew free when you use promo code WEIRD at checkout. Just pay five bucks shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code WEIRD to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Enjoy the rest of the show. What are we studying? Oh, so God. I, I'll, let me let me. So I, my
1: wife's brother is a worked at the at the CERN, which was a huge particle accelerator in, um, in in Geneva that tried to recreate the conditions of the world before the Big Bang and smash particles together to figure out there was an equal amount of matter and antimatter in the world, and now there is no antimatter. Where did it go? And that was the experiment they were trying to do, but. It's a very scientific experiment. You're smashing particles around a two mile loop underground, but there is all this mystery. Like they
2: don't have to be a I bit more I was, that's thinking actually the, what I was Yeah, think. The, we, I talked about, what that? we talked <laughs> about. You're we wrong.
0: talked about... We talked about We talked I think this a We talked about the big... I think this may be... I don't know if it's antimatter, but it's antimatter. That's right. know uh, if <sighs> Thank you. I was going to say the worldview of there are no miracles is predicated on one pretty big fucking miracle. That's what I wanted to say. Well, the big yeah.
2: Bang. well people are very interested in the Big Bang. You know, the Big Bang was originally a negative show. term. What do you mean? It was, it was someone, else, someone came up with a theory of the Big Bang, uh, and it was called like the origination theory or the, uh, uh, the, the, the event theory. And another scientist who didn't like it called it the Big Bang Theory because he was trying to dumb down the idea, going, the Big Bang Theory, you know, for, fuck, for fucking idiots. <laughs> And, and it was, you know, so that, that became popular. I'm not really interested in the Big Bang. I'm interested in four minutes before that what was going on. Right. A minute before that, what was happening is, is a really interesting, like, and no one seems to have much of a view. I was, I mean, it's, it's weird. You can kind of understand these things. For I get glimpses of physics. When someone explains it to me, I can, I can kind of grasp it for a second. And then it just, it's like Quicksilver. Yeah. I remember I went to a lecture. Um, Stephen Hawking was at my college and he gave a lecture on time travel. And I got it. And I was like afterwards I was so excited and I was chatting to my friend Henry and uh, uh, I was gone like gone if only you could go back in time time, to when you (laughs) understood (laughs) it that's right Uh point. Yeah. I think that's
0: brilliant I want This is something I've said on the podcast before But when, when you talked about an isotope And working on faith I also say that nothing doesn't exist it, Going back to the Big bang, bang Theory yeah, Either something, God, a word for something we don't understand And can't photograph and can't touch and can't see uh, That either God erupted That word, that placeholder Erupted into the Bang Bang Or it was nothing And I'm like, but nothing doesn't exist We don't have any nothing We have empty space, but it's
2: filled with the same everything that you are. Yeah, I mean the extraordinary thing is it's mostly nothing. But if you nothing. think about what an atom is, it's mostly nothing. That's right. Yeah, I've seen a couple of acts like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Are you? Why are you looking at us? That's such <laughs> a, oh, a weird don't look over. You <laughs> just say that and look at both oh, of us. But just, what? I, the, the, he looked right through us. It's <laughs> because there's nothing there.
0: But dead over.
2: What's right when you die it 's just completely over or are you open uh, I, I I like to say I after do this thing I do a lot I, weirdly i 'm kind of quite drawn to grief as a, as a as a thing i 've had friends die my mother died um, and I think you die twice you die when you die and you die again the last time someone says your name. Mm-hmm. I like talking to people about their dead relatives and that thing of going I think you do live on but it's it's the it 's what you bring uh, children are a message we send to a future we shall not see. Mm. That's it, right? That's why people have kids, because it's an existential uh, crisis, and they go, well, I'm just going to, I'll take care of this one, and that will go forward. Rupert Spira said the same thing about, if they're, again, using God as a placeholder, like, why
0: will the universe? It's in the same way, why have a baby? It's just, it's a loving impulse. It wasn't as calculated necessarily as like, oh, well, there'll be this, and they will do that. And It's more like, out of love, this Willed itself.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting that for two thousand years, for the whole of uh, time, every song, every piece of art was about God. And what? Fifty years ago, we just switched it up, <laughs> and we said every song's going to be about love. And are we talking about the same thing? And that seems to be fairly. I mean, you know, every, yes. every rock and roll song is now is about love, and whether it's romantic love or love or whatever, it seems that they're, they're sort of talking about the same thing. I think being very open to. Uh, other people doing their thing. I mean I think most most, most got, comics yes. are quite libertarian in their like oh you're you're muslim you're hindu ah great whatever great do you think well I was just going to jump in I, you said
0: the same thing love and I'm getting this from Richard Rohr but love doesn't just mean a good feeling love is this almost excessively liberal yes It's the backdrop upon which all of this is written. The horrors and the joy and the beauty and the loss and the grief and the suffering and the pain. We don't even like it really, but it's so spacious we won't be able to hold it in our minds, but we can become it. You can quiet down yourself enough and actually be that yes. But it doesn't just mean a good feeling and I love your comment. Well,
2: I think the verb, not a noun, is the kind of simplistic view. I like that. Uh, the, you know, it's a love is a verb, not a noun. I, I, think, would it's say... a, I think it's a massive attack lyric also. So. Yeah, that's right.
0: I would I'll... say God is a verb as well. It, it's the forward undulation of everything. Yeah. I mean,
1: Yeah. I think it's acceptable. I thought it was accept- a comedy podcast. Yeah, no.
0: <laughs> Dick and balls. Wait, wait, wait. I'll, 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 all of our phones are listening, so dildos, butt-only dildos. Big, thick, butt-only dildos. Enjoy those ads for the next week on your Instagram when com reaches out. How do? You, how can you specify it's butt-only? Um,
2: You just... I just, just a simple labeling system is it's really the just, way to go. It's just, it's, it's, oh, was that a rhetorical question? Yeah, I'm no, sorry. No,
0: it's like having a kosher kitchen. These we clean, oh, yeah, <laughs> clean over right. here. These we clean over here. Um, <laughs> thank you. The three kosher- Jews. I don't well, know what's no, happening here. It's,
1: <laughs> well, it's the same with the dildos. One goes for milk and one goes for meat. All right. Will
0: <laughs> well, you have children? I got yeah. I got. Uh, I got I, children. Can I just ask you to refresh something? We had a very interesting conversation at breakfast. Something that I think about Brunch. a lot. Nice. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah. Is this? By the way, when we were talking about nostalgia, I was like, one of the keys to happiness is having nostalgia for the present. Oh, sure. do you
2: remember? Do you remember I'm... when he said? I... Yeah, I do. You good. were so tall. How tall is this guy? Like oh, three no, times my in the God. lobby.
0: God, it's
1: a great moment. Yeah. yeah. But to appreciate, I never forget that, it was... I don't
2: know if nostalgia is what it used to be. Uh-huh. <laughs> you long for the days when it. I used to like it
1: more. That's right. And you long for those days. Um,
0: Would you reheat just for these wonderful people and the people listening a little bit? We were talking about you're optimistic a little bit, and, and I like hope. And I am we optimistic. We were chatting about we
2: were chatting about, um, we were about uh, Stephen Pinker's book, *Enlightenment Now*, which is a fabulous book by a polymath and linguist about how, by any metric you choose the world is a better place now than it was 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Now this book was written four years ago and that's <laughs> not a, so good. At that's a point P time. made not, not so great just recently, no, I but, but, sure made that, but things, but things are, you know, things are kind of getting better and it's, it's, um, it's difficult. It's a difficult point to make because I think a lot of people well immediately that puts their back up and they go, well, you don't know what struggle we're going through right now. And there's so many struggles Going on, but the world is it 's in better shape than it was
0: he 's at a high altitude he 's talking about the planet
2: yeah he 's talking about the planet, and I think we, we all have you know we 're all concerned for yeah, so many different things going on at the same time, but you go it 's getting better we 're moving in the right direction, and there will be gay marriage in Saudi Arabia now we probably won 't live to see it yeah. but we 're moving on a trajectory where there 's more uh, liberty and freedom and um goodness it's, we're, we're, humanity seems to be getting better and you, i believe that we'll move in that direction yeah that things will get better
0: and i know you're not a scientist because neither of us know what an isotope is <laughs> but what did you hear about the i overheard you say i really wanted to jump in but i was talking to laura you said
2: i think the environment will figure it out And I just was like, "What? I like this." Well, I hope so. I mean, there's there's a lot of. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would say, "Well, you're being crazy." And we people don't seem to want to stop consuming. So, uh, but and yet we we care about the environment, want things to be better. So for me, it's the you know I'm a big advocate for nuclear. I'm a big advocate. I mean, and that's a 20 year solution. Like, even if we push the button on it today, it would take so long. And and believe me, I'm not in charge. But that strikes me as a as an like the technology solution. I sort of believe in that. There's 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 enough there, and we you know we came across that technology really by accident. Really, I mean there's there's nuclear. huh nuclear nuclear yeah. yeah. I mean that wouldn't really have happened unless Archduke Franz Ferdinand had been shot. I love that, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect. There. Um, there. I- But I'm quite I'm quite like I'm like I I, I'm fairly I try and be I, I think the other thing is like my other kind of thing in life I think disposition is more important than position, right? That's that's a pretty good rule for life. How you are, your your base state, is more important than where you are, and doing comedy puts you in a place like the gift that comedy gives you is like you're looking through rose tinted glasses you're looking at everything for the funny side for the joke and it's a very and why are people drawn to your podcast to go in to see comedy shows to watching netflix specials to coming out to shows they want to feel happy and light and up Mm. and comedy like comedy is kind of and and how do you change your disposition Like, is your disposition solid state? Are you born a certain way? And I guess I'm just a miserable person. Or can you change that? Now, if you can't change it, just, I guess we'd all give up. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. I think you can change your disposition Mm -hmm. slowly over time. It's either you change that or you change the world. Much easier to change your disposition.
0: That's interesting. I actually think that's another thing, and I'd love to hear you talk about this, that you offer as a performer. You you talked about we write jokes, we're drug dealers, but I think there's a solidarity thing, too. When I see you delighting in your shadow and sharing it and being nulty, right, I go, well, fuck, man, I had like five thoughts this morning. We, We don't control what's going on up here and things come out, and when I see you being cheeky or whatever, being a rascal... I feel less alone. Wouldn't you say? I mean, that's what we're doing up here. We're going, that's right. we don't know what's going on. I'm afraid of the world ending. Yeah. And, and we're together. I always say this, but like the end of Avatar. We're, we're, we're bodies in a room or you're listening in your car or whatever it is. And you go like, it's not just me. I, I can't say that. But enough. I think that's
2: the, the, we were chatting about the two books that I love. And I can't remember the authors, but there's a book called Tribe. Yep. And there's a book called Selfie. Uh, and if you read them sort of together, I mean, it's absolutely sort of fantastic. But we were, for the longest time, in tribes. We would live with six, between 60 and 80 people, and that would, those would be our people. For the longest time, that's how humans were. And now we're a little bit disconnected. And, we're, and the reason why, why a podcasts popular? Well, because it's conversation. We're gathered around the fire. We're, we're talk- And it's uh, why do you come out to a comedy show but- And laugh together Well it's a social thing You're 30 times more likely to laugh At a comedy show when you come and see it live Than when you watch it on a screen Oh I wow. uh, apologise to Netflix if they're listening I still want to deal <laughs> uh, But you are, you're much more likely to It's a social noise you know, If you're listening to this in your car y- you know, You're probably not laughing along with the audience that are in the room You know we're getting quite a few laughs in the room But you're, pro- you're just listening to the podcast going, Yeah it's good, it's a funny point but you're not laughing it's a social thing that we do we we don't consciously think oh, I'm going to laugh so that other people know that I got the joke it's it's just it's subconscious yeah and it's a and you release the endorphins and it feels wonderful and and connecting to other people that's the it's one of the few things that are left that
1: feels like it's the group the group mentality, the group all does this and functions as like the audience is like a giant amoeba yeah. in many ways. And it functions, you get on stage and you sort of assess as comedians. All right, what are we working with here?
2: But after, after like, especially after COVID, like after two years of being locked down and people coming out to shows and you go, well, your life is a screen now. Mm-hmm. You wake up and check your phone and then you're sat nav on the way to work and then you sit in front of a computer. And then when you get home, you go, well, I've got to relax. I'll look at a screen. Yeah. It's screen, 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 screen. So you want to go out and feel like you're. It's nice to be in a crowd. It's nice to go. I like sitting in a comedy show and watching with the other people. It's like you were it's sort of great.
0: saying that it, it, it
2: almost explains
0: why fame is so alluring. Do you remember saying that? Yeah. Would you explain? What the the, the, the idea of tribe. It's more normal to be famous. What's oh, strange going? Well, yeah,
2: on? that's my my theory. Would be f- being famous is the is the normal way to be. Being famous, it's like it's like being living in a village. Being famous internationally, it's like living in a village, but you've got Alzheimer's. Did you have to point out that I'm not famous in London? Yeah. <laughs> internationally.
0: Yeah. Hold on, Pete. Yeah. Oh, Pete. You wouldn't understand this. Pete. Yes. But that that
2: I've thing never of like being. A free Let's just say that. That thing of being um, being being recognized is the normal thing. Seeing a stranger would be the unusual thing for the longest time. And now we've just we've kind of we said oh the norm is just walk down the street and you don't know anyone. And that kind of isn't the norm. It's a, it's a strange kind of trick that we played on ourselves, but we're meant to be in groups. And yeah. that's why you feel so comfortable with, with other people around.
0: I, I think that's brilliant. I, David Letterman said it in his Charlie Rose interview where he said, being famous turns it into a small town. And I was like, that's, that is what I enjoy about it. I'm an anxious person. I can I can be afraid. I can be socially awkward. But when you go in and somebody comes up, like at this fest, it's happening constantly. How tall are you? That's that right, makes me I feel good. I remember that.
1: How tall are you?
0: I actually wasn't doing a joke, but like even having you guys here and feeling very safe in my I know lizard brain is overused, but in my lizard brain, I'm like I'm safe. You're smiling. You're looking at me. You also know you're safe. I would add to your thing about amoeba. I'm in the amoeba too. Yeah, you know we what are I mean? part of so, it.
1: So, so not all
0: performers do that, though. Some performers go like, "I refuse to enter the amoeba," but some go like, "Let's all." Well, get here's in the amoeba. here's the thing: charm and charisma. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Bring
1: the amoeba to me, Jimmy Carr
0: says. Yeah, or but I but I, I actually wasn't saying you don't get in the amoeba, but I, that's hmm. very interesting.
1: I believe if you for the agnostic or someone who doesn't believe in God, I always find those moments where a collective does something together one of those inexplicable divine moments so a room full of laughter a moment where everyone's like oh in a store you know the moment well
2: not to not to make pete feel insecure insignificant less successful but when you but when you bear with me when you tour the world as i do if you sure. do.
1: Tell if us you do, about that. No, but the, no, I Jimmy. just,
2: I think, like? uh, no, I'm just saying this because I think people find it interesting. When you do like 40 plus countries globally, that is, you the world. do the interesting thing. I did a show thing, in
0: Rhode Island once. Yeah.
2: <laughs> The thing you notice is like, it's incredible how people are the same. It makes you really believe in humanity because you could do like a a tiny show, 50 people or 10,000 people, and they laugh at the same points for the same length of time. You could do a show in Iceland, in South Africa, Melbourne, Australia, Tokyo, wherever you want to go in the world, people are the same. It's extraordinary how we're, we're the same. And it makes you kinda of go, Oh, this is maybe things will be okay. No matter where you go, Jimmy, some of the
0: audience will just be heads in your freezer. That's just a good feeling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Big swing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hot take. It's like Big we swing. have the DVD commentary on.
0: <laughs> and with the subtitles on, you just said, I love you, Pete. Thanks for having me. Just with a look. Let I know. Let me, let me, we will wrap up because I feel you're, you're a brilliant guest and I love, this was great. I didn't feel like it was short at all. Yeah. Let's ask. Just a couple more. Very, very, uh, they can be as long or, or as short as you'd like, but these are the questions I like to ask. Um, anything in your life ever happened that you can't explain? That's sort of an umbrella for like things like a UFO or a ghost or uh, a psychic knew the name of your dog when you were eight, or anything like that—the weird stuff.
2: I—I uh, I, I would honestly, I have um, a recurring—I don't know whether you would say it's a psychological issue, but I slightly—I feel like I may have had some kind of accident when I'm 20, when I was twenty-six, mm. uh, and I'm in a hospital bed, and there's a TV on in the corner, and I think the people on the TV are my friends because I feel like I'm sort of living in a weird dream world Was it, where I get to honestly. travel the world doing comedy and I'm around all these funny people all the time and I'm on stage in front of thousands and it feels like, it feels unbelievable to me.
0: Yeah. That you feel like your life is so surreal that really... I feel like,
2: is, this, like, is it a twilight zone? Is this real? Am I going to wake up? Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm incredibly, I try that kind of gratitude thing. I try and just center that. Try and be as grateful as you can, or that it just makes life better, just being grateful. But also I'm an incredibly privileged guy. It's such a privileged life. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that.
0: What about have you ever almost died?
2: Uh yeah. Would you care? Would I care if I died? No, would you care to sh- <laughs> feels like feels like you were saying we wouldn't care, but would yeah. you care? we okay. could do this right now
1: that would only um, be the first time he died the last time would be the last time we say his
2: name so I got it doesn't it, the problem with the story is it doesn't sound real I could tell the story but it doesn't sound real I was in Key West once and we were swimming on the reef and we got myself and my friend Henry and we got chased by a shark and I nearly got eaten by a shark but I'm gonna need more when did you first see the shark
0: and it's Henry Winkler, we all know. But like, you're, you're with Henry Winkler. Hank. And he goes, hey, I think there's a shark over here. That's <laughs> No, that's when he jumped it.
1: Oh! And we have to go to a gala.
0: Uh, get go. out of here. We Give we it, it up go. for the Sklar Brothers. Yeah, we, we got to go to a gala. Jimmy love, love and I are going to finish. Thank you. Thank love you, Jay. Love you, guys. Love you, Rand. Bye-bye.
2: I gotta say the thing thing I love about your podcast is you invite two members of the audience up on stage and No, it really is (laughs) Well really it's the same member twice but yeah (laughs) They walked out the wrong door They're so committed to comedy they fucked that up Those guys couldn't even leave correctly (laughs) Honestly, they're so great, aren't they? I was like,
0: I'll bring the Scliders,
2: and I was like, it'll give Jimmy
0: something to work with. Oh, he's.
2: They're a delight. They're an absolute delight.
0: I, I, I completely agree. They make me happy. So, who saw the shark first? Uh, we, were, we were kind of
2: snorkeling. Oh, well, that story still. Um, we're, we were, we were, Jimmy, what's we we the most we're, interesting story? We were, well, it's not really. About, so, we're snorkeling, and the. Chase! And, and the we were with these kind of baby sharks like these little sharks all day and you get very kind of blase about it and then we saw another baby shark but it was far away I don't know if you do you know how perspective works? so it was far away and it was small but then when it got closer I would slow down It, it turned out it was quite a big shark it was like a huge fucking thing, and then it was—it was obviously they territorial or whatever. So we didn't know at the time, but it was you know swimming towards us, and we turned around and literally, like the old joke, I had the feeling of going, well, I don't need to be outswim a shark, I just have to outswim Henry. <laughs> and and so and we we swam a little bit, and we got up on fire coral. I don't know if you're aware of how Fire Coral got its name, but it's not great to stand on. <laughs> and, we, and we waited. We tried to get the boat to come over to us, and so we climbed over the Fire Coral bit, and we got on the boat on the other side. And We got on the boat, and we were, like, white as a sheet and, and kind of a bit panicked. And we got on the boat, and the guys were just laughing at us, going, just reef sharks. What are you... It's just a reef shark, man. They're not going to hurt you. It's just a reef shark. Relax. And we went, like, a grey... With a, with a black tip and they went, oh. Oh, oh. No. Everyone else out the water. It was like a, it was a real kind of, it was a, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. Uh, yeah, interesting. I think. I, often, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't bored. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the best stories of all time that I had to pry out of you. Do you ever? And it had punchlines. <laughs> Do you ever ever get that thing on a plane when there's turbulence on a plane? Uh, So if there's turbulence on a plane and you think, oh, we might go down, I think it's a really good test in life. Tell me. Would you be okay? Would you be okay dying? Because I I think the greatest gift, and I've had a couple of friends do it, and it's magnificent, if you can, to die well. That's an incredible gift to give your friends. Yeah. It's it's so... I had a friend that died and, and was just extraordinary sat me down we went out we, we went and got um we he's, he was a writer called a.a. A. gill he wrote this incredible book if anyone's ever suffered with uh, um uh, addiction issues there's a book called poor me p-o-u-r me which is me? his autobiography it's one guy who
0: wrote about addiction and his name is a.a.
2: a.a. gill yeah <laughs> but that's that yeah but that that's the that's, oh, the that's that was the, the thing. Joke. It was a- Adrian, uh his his uh that was his middle name was A but he he, he went under AA a. Gill after he got into the programme. I see. And he he we had he died so well. And you you we went on the last we knew it was the last time we were seeing each other. So my other friend does a TV show and we were going up to see him and for various reasons I had to go on a helicopter. So I <laughs> I and we went up on the helicopter. So we got in the back of the helicopter and there's a guy from the show in the front and the, the, the driver. They call them pilots. <laughs> uh, start, and me and Adrian are in the back. And I, I'm aware he's, he's going to die soon and we're aware this is the last time we're going to see each other. And so we sit in the back of the helicopter and he tells me about life. He tells me about... Um, what's the great thing he shared? Uh, keep your side of the road clean. If you're dealing with someone in your life that's difficult... Uh, keep your side of the road clean. That's all. I've I've had an issue with narcissists in my life, and that's a thing where if someone's if you have a narcissist in, in your life, uh, uh, they have the disease and you have the symptom. But just you have to keep your side clean. And we had this incredible conversation. He was and he knew he was going to die, and I asked him all the questions that you would ask, and uh, it was beautiful. And we finished the conversation, and the helicopter landed, and the we got out the helicopter and the pilot and the guy from the TV show were just in tears. We're oh. just like ruined by it. Wow. Yeah. Fucking pussies. What? A- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jimmy Carr, everybody. I know how to host a show. Jimmy Carr. What a night. Everybody, Jimmy, would you say keep it crispy, it's how we end. Thank you very much. Great. Keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming to the show, Montreal. Bye-bye.